When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. It's trade deadline week here on the Winning Plays Podcast. We are counting down two days left until the March 25th trade deadline. My name is Brian Robb, joined by frequent guest host of the Winning Plays Pod, Ryan Bernardoni, to get into some of the nitty gritty here of the rumors swirling around the one and only Aaron Gordon. And Ryan, this is something I want to say you wrote, was this almost a year and a half or two years ago? You originally wrote on Aaron Gordon as a conceivable trade target back in, was it, was that 2019 or was that 2020? Oh, uh, no. Yeah. Uh, boy, I don't know. That was a while ago. He's been a conceivable trade target for a while. He's right. sort of the conceivable trade target for, you know, for, for what the team most likely needs, um, around the other players that they have. But I, that was like three formulations of the team ago. I also write about him being a trade target last year for, uh, you know, if they had wanted to trade Gordon Hayward before he left, wrote about him in the preseason as a potential uh, trade target once they once Hayward had been moved and creating the TPE. Um, I'm, I'm not alone in that, right? Yeah, I mean, he's been out there for a while. I guess the entire league, he's always been on a contract that has been a conceivable. Hey, that's a guy not making too much money, probably not in the right situation for him and on a team that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And now after those two or three years, I don't know if Orlando is coming to their senses, this, nothing has happened yet, but it seems there is the most amount of smoke coming around him from, from multiple reports all over the place that the Celtics are in the mix along with, you know, some other prominent teams here. And so let's start here. I guess, my standpoint is the we don't need to really go into why Gordon makes sense for Celtics. We've talked about that plenty before. The other parts, conceivable parts of a deal fascinate me here. Since the Celtics could simply do a straight up deal for him for pretty much draft capital, take Gordon into the traded player exception or part of it, and then make some moves around the edges to make sure they avoid the tax for the season, which I think we we both agree is a is a a, a primary goal for for this group, given how they've played this year. But now we're hearing Evan Fournier get involved, which adds to another potentially Marcus Smart getting involved here. What what do you make of this, Ryan? And I know you had a, one iteration of the deal that is as picking up steam here. And um, like, why, why would that make sense for the season? If you can take us through that one. So I think that the poor play is part of the explanation for what's going on and, and why they might be looking to expand the team, which is a rather simple idea of just like, if your team isn't playing the way that you expected it to, then you make changes to it. And the sort of idea of like adding Aaron Gordon for half the TPE and moving somebody else to stay under the tax and using a couple of draft picks on that makes a lot more sense. If you're like the three seed and playing really well, and you're thinking, okay, we're getting back to health and we're all coming together and we think we can make a run at it and, and all that. And if you're in a situation where that's not what you're looking at, then some of the other things of, of that sort of amount to like preserving flexibility and contract stuff and moving out some players who are part of your core who maybe just aren't working out or not developing in the way that you want them to, 
becomes sort of more palatable, right? Because you're not giving up something on this season. You're sort of saying like, okay, we want to retool for the future so that this season doesn't happen again next season. Um, and I think that's the simplest explanation for it. And so if you look at some of those formulations, the sort of most straightforward one of sort of putting together two or three different people's rumors, like you said, it's like, okay, you're bringing in Evan Fournier and Marcus Smart is going out and they're going to be picks involved. And like the math doesn't quite work for that because they're hard capped and because they want to get under the tax. So it's like, what do you do from there? Okay. You send out Tristan Thompson and some other money. And like, I can explain all the math behind the exact fake trade that I put out there, but like nobody, right. I mean, it's one fake trade and you can make other ones and other people can try to come up with how they want. But I think that's sort of what's happening is they're saying like, well, what if we can bring in Aaron Gordon and he's what we're going to have going forward. And we're going to do some things that clear cap space and open up some flexibility for us to make, you know, additional swings in, in the future. Cause we don't just simply don't like the team that we have now um, is that's my best guess at it. But like, I don't, right. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Right. I'm no, no, I, no. And it, <laughs> exactly. And it makes sense. Like, and so logistically it makes sense. I wonder again, I mean, with, with someone like Fournier, who is on an expiring deal making I think like 16, 17 million dollars. Um, I think he's a solid player. He's a great off, he can be a great offensive player on certain nights. He can get to the rim, he can shoot the three. He does a lot of the things that the Celtics could clearly use reliably off the bench. Um, the question is from from my standpoint, if okay, if you're gonna, I think there's just other shoes that need to drop here. Cause if you're gonna, if you're giving up a, a year of smart of cost control and you're only getting 40 out of it yes you can get some the the flexibility talked about for the future maintaining the full trade player exception while while making a couple of additions that matter in gordon 40 that would that would all be big here but i do think if you're you're giving up some serious draft capital for for gordon anyway adding in i would be very reluctant to add in a core player if unless like smart, unless you're getting more, you know, cost control down the line. And that's something you're, you're not really getting with Fournier, I feel like. Yeah, I think that there is a big missing piece here, which is like, what are the picks exactly? What are the protections? Because you sure. hear two picks, two first round picks. You, you know, you just sort of jump and say, okay, well, so what does that mean? The Celtics are giving up these assumed two first round picks. And it could be that there's additional parts moving around and they're sourcing another pick from another team or that they're getting a pick from somewhere else to keep for themselves, right? Like there's other ways that that could play out. It also, there's a big difference between we're trading this year's pick top something protected, top 10 protected. And if it's not, it immediately turns into two second round picks. And then we're trading a pick two seasons from now to, you know, be legal and the same thing, top 10 protected. If it doesn't convey that first year, it turns into two second round picks. And so you aren't, like encumbering your draft capital out into the like indefinite years. That's a big difference than if you're saying, okay, this year it's lottery protected and next year it's top 10 protected and the year after that it's top four protected. And then you get another pick two years after that. And it's the same thing. And like you basically just in some ways tied up, potentially tied up your draft capital, like way into the future. And that limits other things you can do. And so if you do that, if you were to be trading, you know, trading picks in a way that locks you up into the future, then some of the flexibility that you would potentially be creating out of this deal doesn't make like maybe it doesn't have as much value anymore because what are you going to do with it like how are you going to get anybody right. but if what you've done is you basically traded one year of a pick and it's like your 2023 pick because this year you're just sort of saying like well this year it's it's almost done we're going to trade that pick soon and then the 2023 pick will be gone and then we could still trade you know 2025 and 27 and we could have pick swaps and we could do all this we could still do stuff that flexibility is then just sort of inherently more valuable 
Um, and we just don't know anything about that. Like there have been no real reports on that. And stuff on protections never comes out until like after the trade is done. It's just two first round picks or whatever. And then the trade, you know, a couple hours later, you get the information on like exactly what the parameters are. And that shapes a lot of your sort of feelings about what the trade is. Um, and so it's really hard to sort of make that assessment <laughs> without that, that major piece of the information uh, because you can move around these pieces. You can include third teams. You can have a first round pick somewhere along the line becomes two seconds, right? Like it's just hard to, to know exactly what some of these things mean. Right. You can't go through, like you can't go through all those scenarios because it yeah. take you forever, but you're right. There are all these deals. There's, you hear what's out there and then it becomes something different below the surface based on those protections. But like you said, those protections matter because if you're looking for long-term flexibility, this is where if you're putting a lot of protections in, that's when things can get really complicated down the road. Um, if, unless you have teams that are willing to work with you on those. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I've, I think we've talked about this before. I've talked about it with other people, like part of the line that I've sort of said that you'd want to draw on the sand was if you're just using the TPE and you're just sort of getting one player, can you get that player for a young player and a pick or a young player and a pick and a second. And, and as you open up this trade, like, are you using future picks basically to dump salary? And this is where you get down to if you really expand out this trade and you say like, are you using a pick here to get rid of Tristan Thompson and Carson Edwards because you don't actually want to keep Evan Fournier, right? Like uh, John Hollinger put something out in his sort of cap questions uh, on the athletic about it. He was saying like, Oh, maybe you'd want to extend Evan Fournier. And I'm like, eh, I think that would make it worse, <laughs> but it would at least give some vision to what you were trying to achieve here. Right. If, if that would answer some amount of questions, even if you don't like the answer that's being provided it's possible that they would be doing all this largely like, hey, we're using these picks to clear salary. We're buying space, we're buying time. Because, I mean, we've been sort of talking around this for, for months now, but like at this point, Kemba is like a major right. negative asset. And like, I mean, that's, I think like, and to your point, like that, I think those picks, if you're gonna move those picks, you gotta find a way to get him involved. Like if you're gonna move two first round picks, Again, and especially if smarts involved too, if you're getting rid of that, like you're you're kind of tiptoeing around the problem here, which your point is is Kemba. Well, if smarts involved, it doesn't make any sense for Kemba to be involved as well. Like it would be Kemba would be involved instead of smart, I think. Structurally, it gets very difficult to like to include both in a way that would make any sense for the Celtics. Like they would just be giving up a lot of stuff for a way that doesn't necessarily create a lot of benefits. Um, but yeah, I, I mean. I agree, but I guess that's what I'm getting at is like, you you want to say you would have to include Kemba in this, but if you can't, like if you just can't, it's not viable, then buying yourself some amount of time basically to say like, hey, we are going to set up our next team and so we can expend some capital now to sort of align contracts the way we want and get a little bit younger and we're going to put together a different vision of the team next year and then at that point, Kemba will be an expiring because we assume he'll opt in and then you can sort of get out of it without having to to spend all this capital getting like literally nothing back. Um, it's, it's difficult. The reality is that like Kemba, as he's playing now is a worse offensive player than Evan Fournier. And like, I'm not wild about Evan Fournier coming in, but like, it just is true. Um, and I get Fournier is, I, I assume a better defensive player as well. Like he's, it's so if that's the level of player that Kemba's at, and he's making $34 million and $36 million down the line and $38 million at the end or whatever it is, um, that's just like really limiting on what you can do. And so there is at least some 
reasonable argument that you could make for being like, you need to move out some assets now. Now, the problem is what you're doing is that Eric Gordon's contract expires at the same time as Marcus Smart's does. Um, and so how much time are you really buying by like moving Tristan Thompson and, and not re-signing Fournier? Like it's sort of questionable. There would be a lot of work to be done like in this next coming off season to give some vision for where the team is going. Um, that may be the case anyway, but I don't know. I can't make like a great case for these, for this it's like, structure yeah, with I Fournier, I, but like I can make a case for it, but it's not like one that I love or think is like amazing. But if you're a game under 500 and you thought you were might, might going to be a contender and people are unhappy and you're, you know, looking at a big tax bill coming down the line in a couple of years and all that. And like, you can, it's not a great spot to be in. So like the trades that you're looking to make, aren't going to be ones that everybody loves. Right. And that's, I guess what I mean, like, and I talked to Danny Ainge a little bit about this last week um, interview on mass live. And he, I mean, he, he pretty much warned against the, like the, he didn't mention anyone by name, but like, we don't want to trade for guys that are going to make more in free agency this summer than we think they're worth. I think was his quote. And I feel like Fournier is exactly that guy. Now maybe they've broached, look at a market for him. And I mean, there's a bunch of guys in, in his ilk, whether it's like, um, you know, a Norm Powell or Kelly Oubre. There's a lot of these guys that are maybe a little bit above mid-level type guys, and we'll see how much real cap space there ends up being. But there's the quality of players in the market is just not going to be great at the top tier here. But unless the Celtics decide, pick one of these guys, hey, like having bird rights, one of these guys, we can we think we're gonna be able to get them to a deal that makes sense for us. Um, that's you can make understand that appeal and say, okay, that's getting the bird rights and that guy, whether it's using him in a, to get something in a sign trade or, you know, signing him to a three or four year deal that could be another movable contract for us down the line that can make it worth it to add in that extra, you know, first round pick to the deal when you're also getting Gordon, but beyond something like that, when you, you feel good about where you are there, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't do much for me if you're going to give up a guy like smart in the deal. And I'm not the biggest smart fan either compared to a lot of people, but I still look at this and being like, this is, you know, you can do what you're trying to do in this deal in other ways without giving up smart. I feel like. See, I look at it the other way and maybe this is where I get accused of being like, Oh, this is too much. You're too into the spreadsheet and too into the math of it or something. But like, I think Fournier is just an expiring contract. They can use them this season. They need bodies this season. They, they make whatever they'll do in the playoffs this season. And also just don't want to like, as I've talked about, like there's a crazy schedule and anything you can save miles, like there's some value in that. But I just don't think that signing Evan Fournier would like make a whole lot of sense for this team going forward. Um, especially if you're giving up smart, like what are you going to lock in Fournier for three or four years uh, at basically all the money that you have left? That just doesn't seem to be the sort of logical conclusion to this type of team building change. And like what you would really want to be saying is we are building this team around Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Aaron Gordon as this sort of three-wing sort of thing. Uh, Robert Williams with his emergence, maybe, you know, he's your long transfer at center. And then you want a guard who, you know, is as smart was, right, a bigger point guard, but somebody who can shoot and is sort of more of a traditional point guard. Um, and that you're going to sort of get your defense by structure and by being really wing heavy and, and sort of big and long and not trying to uh, rely on like individual excellence at any given position. And that in that world, again, if you can find a way to move Kemba in particular within a budget, like you might have. So 
the number that I come up with is that if they were to do that and just let Fournier walk and you can clear Tristan Thompson as part of this trade, and the way I have it structured, which makes the most sense to me, is that they get back Ken Birch, and Birch is also expiring. But you're basically just saying, we're going to do, we're, we're functionally doing like smart plus cap flexibility, or sorry, smart plus draft picks for Aaron Gordon and cap flexibility. And you have maybe like 24, 25 million to work with if your budget is about 10 million over the tax line. And if you can move Kemba in there to a team that has cap space or in an unbalanced trade of some sort, um, where you clear more space in there, you might have, you know, $35 million that won't be cap space, but like you'll have big trade exceptions and ways to acquire players that you could work with there. And again, if you have encumbered all your picks, like it's hard to necessarily see how that works out, but like you could go out and acquire a, you know, a point guard who sort of fits into what you're talking about. Uh, you might even be able to assign and trade because, you know, you've created enough space where if you think right. Lonzo Ball, that apron, right? right? Yeah, like you can, you you basically have given yourself some number of outs in the deck by making this trade that seems sort of bad. Now, I mean, I don't know if you have any answer, like anything you want to, to mention on that. I can talk a little bit about some of like the historical relevance of that, that you and I went through with doing some trade ranking stuff last summer about like why that's not crazy to think that they might be doing that. Yeah, I mean, again, that's to your point of this could being like two or three steps ahead. Like this is stuff we can't know they're playing for, but what you just outlined there does logically make sense. I wonder if there are other ways to, to do like, like let's say, let's look at Tristan Thompson for instance right now. Do, is he not able to be moved somewhere just for an expiring, like separately? Like well, I, I look at that's... that. Like I think of I feel what's like, happening. <laughs> right. But like, I wonder if like, and I guess that's the thing of like, okay, let's just do it all at once as opposed to like figuring out separate components and maybe magic just wanted them for you. But I would think of, well, I'll give you the reason. Uh, sorry. I don't mean to step over. No, um, no, Good. So the reason is that by including Tristan Thompson in this, in the, so I'll just let, I guess I haven't actually said it. The structure that I have laid out for how this makes the most sense to me is uh, I'm not saying that this is a trade that I love. I'm just saying like based on who has been mentioned in the rumors and, and what's out there would be that the Celtics get uh, Gordon, Fournier, and Ken Birch. And as the rumors are say, they're going to trade smart and draft picks. And then what else really makes it work? And so if you include Tristan Thompson and uh, Semi Ojale and Carson Edwards, what do you end up with? Well, you end up below the tax, which is the first thing. And that means that you get the more unrestrictive trade rules uh, around what you can match with. So in that structure, Marcus Smart matches to Gordon Hayward, or not to Gordon Hayward, to Aaron Gordon, um, so that you don't have to worry about. Tristan Thompson, Ojale, and Edwards match to Fournier, just barely, $5 million less they fit because you're under the tax. Ken Birch fits into the Ennis Cantor uh, trade exception. So what you've done by structuring this way, including Tristan Thompson here, is that you haven't used any of the Gordon Hayward TPE. So you can use it this summer. You could also use it if if you move, you know, one of the things I've talked about is like, if you move Kemba out, you could take the players that you have to take back for Kemba into the Gordon Hayward TP and roll the, then you create a big Kemba Walker trade exception that lasts a whole nother year. Right. So like, I think that's what you're doing is you're not only, if you send Tristan Thompson out in some other deal, that's cheaper on its face, it's going to cost you some or all of your trade exception stuff, which if you include him here, like what's the value of that? You've already given up two seconds for that. Are you willing to sink more value into doing that? I don't really know. Those are some costs at this point. Like, but I, I do think that you can, if you structure a trade that way and you sort of look at it as the individual parts of what you're really getting out of it, like what you're getting is Aaron Gordon, cap flexibility, a big TPE, 
that you get to maintain and have, again, some flexibility with. You get guys for this season who you get to take a look at. Maybe Fournier, you fall in love with them or you get them on a good deal. Ken Birch, same sort of idea. He's your third center. So, like, that's why I think you include Tristan Thompson here. So, like, just basically it makes the numbers like way easier to work. If you remove Fournier and you're saying, can't you just send Tristan Thompson somewhere else and not worry about Evan Fournier? Sure, fine, easier that way. But that doesn't seem to be what they're talking about right now. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, football might be over, and no one told Bill Belichick that, but uh, NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Uh, Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online. They are your online sportsbook experts. Maybe just they want to see what Fournier looks like on a good team. Like, I think he's an expiring. I really but do. It, but I think but they it, would yeah, bring him in and let him go. Uh, maybe they sign and trade him out to somewhere else. I don't know. There, there's enough cap space where that might not, you know, be viable. But um, but if know. you're worried, if you're worried about maintaining the TPE, then couldn't you just do like smart and a first for Gordon, and then move Thompson elsewhere, um, and that still that still accomplishes all your goals and you save a first round pick in that scenario. I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, the question there is, does that, does that accomplish all of Orlando's goals? And if it doesn't, then it doesn't. Right. right. (laughs) Um, Or I would think Orlando honestly might be thinking, Hey, like if we can get you first for, for Gordon, like what can we, I mean, I guess it, it depends on how much they like smart in this equation. Yeah, and whether they can get first, then, right. if you're, then you're basically first... saying to the sellers, like, hey, you can get rid of Tristan Thompson and take Evan Fournier and Kemberge for free, and we'll also take Ojolet and Carson Edwards. Like, you're that's it's the question of like, is that one additional first round pick worth moving Thompson and getting Fournier and retaining the entire TPE and getting rid of Carson Edwards for the first in Ojolet, depending on what you think of Ojolet's, like, if he's a positive or negative value, whatever, neutral, let's call it. Um, and that's where I'm getting into, like, I can make the argument for either side of that, which means to me that it means it's not like a ridiculous trade, right? It's not something that I look at and break down the parts and go like, why would either side want to get involved in this? Or why would one side have any interest in this? I can make some case for it. I don't, from a Celtics perspective, like I don't love the case for it, but again, like I don't love where the team is right now. And I don't really know what the outs are. I'm just surprised that you're going to get rid of Marcus that. Smart for Evan Fournier. I can't believe you're doing this. Right? I don't. I'm not saying that. <laughs> hey, I'm, no, I'm like I'm kidding. I don't want to make the trade in particular <laughs> because as a like as a fan, I would just rather have Marcus Smart because I like him and I like watching him play and all that. But if you're asking me to like, you know, look at it from from an out, you know, trying to like take myself out of that and look at it from outsider perspective, you know, there are. I mean, we can talk about Smart. Yeah, like, let's talk about like what is Smart's. I mean, Smart has had a bad year. Yeah, Smart has taken a step back on both ends of the floor this year. He's been hurt. It's hard to really evaluate him right now, um, especially coming off of this uh, a rough calf injury. He's only six, seven games in here. But his shooting numbers are back down to where you don't want him to be, both from the field and from three. And in volume. Uh, and, in, and, yeah, especially in volume. His, his crunch time issues like- are have been, I'd say – just as bad as ever this year. If you look at his fourth quarter numbers, 
They are horrific. And he is as confident as ever taking those shots. So clearly we talked about this at the end of last season in that heat series, nothing has changed. We're in year seven of them. So it might be a situation where is, or is a situation where, where the front office is like, you know, he's not going to be here long-term now. We're not going to be able to afford him. And we're not sure if this is the right fit in terms of, you know, with the guys we have or, and, and do you feel like it's that? And what, and what do you think his legitimate trade value is around a league just, you know, as a standalone? I think that's what we're learning a little bit here is that it's not huge. Uh, And there's been this sort of thing that's been said for years of like smart is more valuable to the Celtics than he is to anybody else. And maybe that's not true anymore. Maybe, but I don't think it's that his value to the rest of the league has come up. It's maybe that his value to the Celtics has started to diminish um, because he is regularly injured. He does make pretty questionable decisions that you could overlook when he was like 23 that are hard to overlook now. Um, And his shooting hasn't gotten much better. And you do question like, as he ages are some of his physical gifts that have allowed him to be such an elite defender over time, are they going to start to diminish? He only has a season and a half left on his deal. We have seen this exodus of talent as guys have you know allowed their contracts to run down. Now, that last part, you have to balance. But if you're taking Evan Fournier so that you can let him go and get an expiring, like that is not rolling assets forward necessarily. Although, again, as we've talked about, there are other ways that you can look at that as creating asset opportunities. Um, and so if you think like his defense as he ages and deals with all these injuries over time is not going to be at the level it was before, and his offense has not matured in any meaningful way, like he's somewhat better of a passer, but usually his passing looks good on this team because like that's an indictment of how poor the rest of the team is, is as passers. It's not because he's like some, you know, exceptional passer. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, if you think that his offense is stagnating, his defense is probably going to regress at some, you know, with age and that his contract is a season and a half out. Like, where are you with that? Um, if he was a, you know, a, a super valuable role player on a team, again, that had title aspirations, then you would be willing to run out that contract and sort of to see what that happens and say, okay, well, if his next contract doesn't look so good a year and a half from now, then we can make that decision then. But that's not where the team is right now. And you write it's decision time on some of these things, because that's what happens when you lose a lot of games. And when you're, you know, you're playing really bad in the fourth quarter with the team's playing really bad in the fourth quarter and it just doesn't look good. Um, so I don't know. I, it's, I've said it many times. Like it's not something that I particularly like talking about because I like smart very much and he's been one of my favorite players but um from a gm perspective like it's not unreasonable to be talking about that no i mean this is these are discussions that have to happen this offseason like 100 percent have to happen this offseason and so and kicking the can on all of them right now for things we've been talking about for much of the year doesn't make a lot of sense because you're not opening you're not opening a lot of doors this offseason that you are better off doing then as compared to now. And so this is, you know, kind of being proactive on this front. If the opportunity is there is obviously a step in the right direction, no matter what direct, whether it's smart, whether it's moving other salary um, or just consolidating some of these young guys, like there's a lot of different paths that they're going to have to take eventually. So on a team that isn't going anywhere, there's no reason not to do it now. Yeah. I mean, if they hadn't signed Kemba or had a way to move Kemba, now in a way that would return you know basically to get out of that deal then i don't know if we would have to have this conversation which again goes back to what we talked about like couldn't you do this trade with kemba and like i don't think you really can i don't it seems like the magic wouldn't really be all that interested in him um and that weighs on a lot of things and that has 
this sort of cascading effect where, yeah, if you weren't under the financial pressures that are probably coming, then again, you could live with it for, for a little bit longer and try to figure it out. But it's just like there, as you said, the off season, these things are coming. There is this confluence of major questions that are, that are arriving. And like, if somebody offers you a trade where you're like, well, maybe we could do better this off season, but like how much better. And maybe we won't be able to do it. Like, maybe it'll be worse. Maybe it'll be a little bit better. Like, do you just take it now and say like, this is kind of a lost season anyway, we're going to make our changes now while we can and see if we see if it sparks something with the rest of the season and we get some extra bodies that can save some miles and all that kind of stuff. Like it's fine, but um, yeah, you, and then this ends up being a circular conversation. Cause then you just come back to how, what's the pick value, you know, how much are these picks really worth that you're putting into this trade? Uh, whether or not it's it's a it's worth it and like right with all trades like this right we're a few days away from the deadline like the the structure that we're talking about probably doesn't happen it's probably just you know maybe it gets close we hear the famed it's we got close um and so we may never know the answers to those questions and never be able to really like analyze what what we're talking about here um but if it does happen we will know we can make an analysis of it you know a couple hours after when we know the, the full parameters of everything that happened until then I think we sort of reached the end of, of how far we can, we can uh, put this together, but I don't know. Don't include Rob Williams. That's a good sign. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> All right. A couple other names to throw that have surfaced in the last couple hours here as, you know, some of these are surprises being available. Some of these are not. Um, one, um, Lori Marketing, Chicago pretty much the same parameters as you're looking at with like a Collins deal in the sense of you're going to have to pay him a whole lot of money after this offseason. You're going to have to move salary. The long-term fit here. I don't, I mean, he's not good. Is the problem. He's not, that's I agree. Like, like Collins is good. He just isn't the type of player I like. So in general, I sort of overlook him as like, I don't really want that kind of player, but like, there's no doubt that he's a good player. Markinen is like, just not a good player really. So I I'll, like, and he's, He's only played 22 games. He he's hurt a lot. I feel like over the course of the year as a another mark against him. Um, and the Bulls just haven't been good when he's been on the court. Period. Mm-hmm. So they've been better when he's been away. So yeah, that I'll be curious to see if they can get any like what kind of value they can get for him because I don't I don't think he has you know he hasn't shown signs that he's even I, I'd be wouldn't even think about giving him a, a, a decent first round pick at this point. Um, Yahoo Sports reporting, Pacers are taking calls on Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, Brogdon would be really helpful for the Celtics. I find it hard to believe that the Celtics and the Pacers are going to make a, a deal right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, like just, personalities do matter in, in some of that stuff. I also just, it's hard to like put together what the pieces are, what they would really want back and how you would make all that that work. Um, he would, what are the Pacers uh, doing? Like, like... I'm... I think the Pacers are sort of, I was having this conversation with somebody else on, on Twitter just before we jumped on the phone. It's like the Pacers are somewhat in the same position as the Celtics where it's like, if you just don't like the way that your season is going and you're looking down the line and being like, do we really, do we, you know, we don't like this season. Is this the core we want to lock in for the future? And your answer is no, that you make trades that some, that you look at and are like, boy, I'm surprised that guy could, could be available. And you're like, well, we didn't actually like being a team that was built around Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner and Demanda Sabonis. And so we're making them available and like, that doesn't mean they'll get traded. Right. Um, but what else are you supposed to do? Like you just keep. Yeah. No one going? wants, no one wants the rest of the stuff on your roster. So you have to engage on the guys yeah, that much. have appeal and, and Brogdon's contract is probably one of the more 
attractive ones in the, in the league of, you know, non-rookie, non-max guys. Um, a couple years I left. I haven't done the math yet, but he could really help the Bucks. Maybe they can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, he could help a lot of teams. He could help pretty much anything. Yeah, anyway. um, it's just a matter of what you're going to, you know, what you're going to put into that. Because he's not like a, obviously he's not like a superstar player. He's a no. good player at a position that is sort of, teams need it but it's not like the number one thing that they generally need um sabonis is you know i don't know sabonis is good <laughs> obviously uh, i think it's a little bit eye of the beholder and how you want to build your team there as well um i don't think either of them are going to get traded but maybe they already have and i just haven't seen it yet i i don't really know um there's a lot of people who are like they see sabonis and like the celtics need to get sabonis the celtics need to get sabonis. i'm like no they don't they just don't for the same reason they don't need to pay other centers who you know, what are we going to start? Whatever. He's a good player, but I don't think he's anything particularly interesting with the Celtics. Brogdon would be, but again, you just come back to the Kemba question of like, if you didn't have Kemba, Brogdon would be really interesting, but it seems very likely that they will have Kemba through, you know, through at least the off into the off season. And so like, how do you make those other things work? All right. Anyone else striking your fancy here as we get into the final two days, final 48 hours, of the countdown. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of big surprises. It seems like guys, like, I think it's not like Gordon, there's certain guys that are going to move and Gordon feels like one of them. Um, but tons of names out there and we'll see. I feel like a lot of guys on expiring contracts will also get moved, but beyond that, it wouldn't shock me if, um, you know, like most years, the, the smoke with the, the big names ends up being, there's no fire. There's just a lot of, a lot of chatter and not a lot of action. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like every year, whatever you think, it's just pick the opposite, right? So um, in terms of like how much trade volume there will be, uh, there's not like a ton of other. We've talked about so many of the guys that it would just be rehashing things. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I tweeted out a picture that was like, Jerry, you know, that's uh, Grant is a smokescreen for Harrison Barnes, who's a smokescreen for Aaron Gordon, who's the smokescreen for the real target. Larry Nance Jr. <laughs> we've, been, we've been saying Nance never is mentioned in any of these things. He's very quiet on that. So it would be the perfect outcome for me if they literally follow that exact same path and end up getting Larry Nance, um, who fits for a number of reasons that right. I've, I've talked about again many times before, but he's not being mentioned in anything. Um, maybe that's good for the people who think that these always these things always come out of left field. Right. It seems like Gordon's going to get moved. I mean, it seems like what's happening in Orlando is that that front office has been so sort of stuck in not making moves that now they have some guys who are like, demanding trades basically yeah um and, and gordon's one it seems like there might be a couple others who have been sort of vocal about the fact that they're ready to to move on and look for something else so um maybe that's just what it is that they've got gotten kind of stale and, and tired of it so i would expect gordon to go somewhere um would would you pay the like same price for nance's gordon all things being equal well what's the price that we're talking well let's <laughs> say like uh if you're talking, so I think that there are a lot. A like first round pick in a young player. Yeah, sure. I think that's the trade for Nance would be, as I've said, I don't know how many other, like Grant Williams and our first round pick this year. If you can get Nance for that, I would do that right away. Um, it seems like they don't want to do that. Um, I've expanded that out in other ideas. You know, you could send Daniel Tice to the one I use is, is Denver and they send, uh, to Michael Green and the second round pick to Cleveland and they sort of Cleveland gets their power forwards and gets a, a second round pick and a first and you um, and you know like I think there's ways that it makes sense that are maybe a little bit bigger than that uh, depending on how much you value Tice in a world where 
Tristan Thompson isn't gone and where you have Larry Nance to play small ball center and Rob Williams playing better. So like, I, I think that's around the right price for it. Um, now Cleveland just sort of structurally with what they have on their books and what Nance is and how much money he makes, it's harder to expand it out into these sort of bigger picture trades like, like Gordon is. Um, but like Larry Nance is a good player. He fits deep. He has an extra year. That's sort of his always, his fit has always been as much about contract and like position as it has been about right. thinking he's a great player. He allows them much more of the flexibility. Like again, the salary flex where you're talking about yeah. getting a guy for who's making Makes 12, 11, 10, like that's, that just opens the door more there. So, and he has an extra year. Right. Gordon expires after next year. Gordon's on the same timeline as what smart is. So that's why I said, you know, give, you give up smart and you get back another players on the exact same timeline. It's a little bit questionable as to what you're really buying there. So I don't know. <laughs> it's because I look at Cleveland, I wonder, it's like, okay, is there a deal there for the Celtics to give up? two first round picks and you're getting enough back on top of Nance Jr. But it's hard to find that guy on the roster since like you don't really want Osmond, I feel like. And you don't want anything. You don't want Prince, obviously. And everyone else in the roster not going to move Garland or Sexton. So it's hard to find like that, you know, in between fit unless you're like, you know, maybe you're getting back a couple seconds from them or something like that. Something to, to soften yeah. the blow of, of giving up two first round picks. That, that's why I sort of include Tice as like, uh, you know, your Tice can, Tice is functionally a small ball center really. And, and you know, uh, for all that Nance is more of a power forward or, or a wing, he has plenty of history playing small ball center. And so you can, but I don't think Cleveland would have much interest in Tice. So can you find a way to get like some other small asset to, to ship around and things like this? You know, you can get into all those structures. They're not being mentioned in basically anything. I don't really see any, you know, very few things that are coming out of, uh, you know, on the sort of normal rumor mill about the Cavs. And that doesn't mean that they aren't working a million things behind the scenes. Um, well, look at the trade Andre Drummond. I don't know if you heard that. Sure. Well, okay. Andre Drummond is available. <laughs> Kevin Love yeah. also is available. It's just, you don't, you don't hear much in terms of the interesting players. Um, and Nance, part I, I wouldn't necessarily even want to expand it from Nance. Like again, part of the reason that Nance works is because there's a line right around Aaron Gordon's contract where it's like if you have a guy on top of Gordon's contract, like if you have more than that sort of like sixteen million dollars next year, it gets hard to see how they're going to keep Smart and everybody and Kemba and everybody else anyway without finding some way to clear some other money. And so if you were to like, hey, we're going to get Osmond on top of. Uh, on top of Nance, you're just back into that dollar amount. That's like, why don't we just have Harrison Barnes and like deal with the contract problems anyway? Like, you know, it's, you just rather maybe go that route. Even if you can say he's not available, but you get what I'm saying. Like you yeah. want a, a single player who's more expensive. If you're going to end up dealing with those contract and tax headaches anyway. Um, the, the whole point of Nance is that he makes less. So if you add more to it, then that means it's more. <laughs> right. You don't net you, they don't have a good, yeah. they don't have any good role players. Yeah. I mean, if you could add pressure Colin Sexton, whatever, like that would be a different conversation because he's a, a different, you know, better player in, in, in some manner. Um, but they don't, you wouldn't want to be adding like a sort of, you know, another mid tier wing on top of it. Cause you're just not going to be able to pay him. All right. Well, we're... Back to Evan Fournier might just be an expiring contract. Listen, a little, you know, eat up some minutes this year and then let him go somewhere else and see if you can get a second round pick and a sign and trade. That or... might be all that really is. They couldn't flip him right away. Right. I mean, you could flip them as part of the same trade. Obviously, you could expand right, you it could, out and send them maybe, somewhere else. That almost would make more sense then. But that's. Um, I mean, can you? But then you it flip depends. For Kelly Oubre, and can you get? Can right. You can get you get a, something? Right. Can you get a second round? A pick second round, exactly. Or whatever. Right. But, yeah. That that to me would make sense of being like, okay, find a ninety percent of every forty and get or whatever 
present yeah. and get a draft asset, would that be uh, good enough reason to expand it? It would make more sense in terms of what you're trying to do, but who knows? Tax implication there because the, the proposal that I had out literally has like a million dollars below the tax line, so you would have to. I don't even know what Ubre makes compared to Fournier, like. Um, so that, if that might even not work, I don't even know. Um, yeah, I mean, you could expand it from there. They have two days. If they come to some agreement, they have some amount of time to try to work it out. There's also questions about would Trist, you know, would Tristan Thompson want to be in Orlando? Probably not. Um, so there's any number of ways that you could spin out. Like we sort of going back to where we started, right? You can open this up to a million different possibilities. Like the basic structure, I think you can make a trade that's not wildly out of line. Even if when you first look at it, you're going to be like, eh, I don't know about that. But again, you know. Like I said, you look back at the history and there's plenty of trades like that. Antoine Walker and Rafe LaFrentz and uh, losing the, the pick that became Brandon Roy and all these other things that can work out in the end if what you're buying is time and flexibility. If you're, you know, if you then use that well, it, it can work out in really good ways. It's just, there's no guarantees. So it's, it's a, a tough road. All right, let's wrap up quickly on this. We haven't talked about Bogdanovich at all in Atlanta. In that it doesn't make much sense to me. Does that so? Yeah. So this is, I guess, again, as like a hair. I mean, he's not Harrison Barnes. He's obviously offense first, not much of a defender. So, but from a from a cost standpoint, getting him and John Collins is like, well, you're not your payroll goes bonkers unless you can find a way to to, like pretty much totally dump Kemba in the offseason. So, from that standpoint, that makes me feel like that would have to be like a an Uber blockbuster. And I saw Atlanta asking about, you know, saying they're asking about Jalen Brown and a type of scenario like that. But I, I, I can't imagine that's, you know, the Celtics certainly aren't going to go down that road for, for those type of players. Yeah. The problem with the problem I have with Bogdanovich is that he basically signed what I would say was a fair value contract in the off season for the player that he had been to that point. And this year he's sucked and been a malcontent. And so like now that's a negative value contract because what if right. he comes here and sucks and is a malcontent, like maybe he won't be, but if the best he was playing before got him that deal and you looked at it and we're like, okay, that's 18 million is kind of a lot for, for Bogdanovich, but like, okay, that's probably, you know, maybe that's fair value for him as a, what you would think would be an okay starting two guard. Um, and so I don't really, with the number of years he have left, like there's just too much risk there and not like a ton of upside. Cause he's an older player already. He came into the league he was 25 or 26 years old. So like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. That would almost be like uh, taking him back as part of the value of getting you know, trying to get John Collins, but um, the Celtics aren't in a position to be taking long-term money of that type. I don't think particularly if they were getting John Collins and we're going to have to resign him. Uh, so that doesn't really sort of pass the test for me. Um, and, you know, unless you move it out and you suddenly include a bunch of other players and it's, Oh, he's going to Toronto and we're getting Norm Powell and you're back to just being like an expiring contract or something like it is for Fournier. Uh, it's, just kind of tough for me to put that one together. Yeah, it's, I mean, you can kind of see this coming up for land in the offseason when they just signed a bazillion guys like that, with so many overlapping skill sets. And maybe I thought, okay, hopefully, you know, once we figure out who we like, we can move off these guys. And again, with some desperate, desperate teams. And I'm sure, I mean, I, don't know, I feel like Bogdanovich will land like the Clippers or something like that. Some team that doesn't have much, <laughs> but are desperate for the now and the, to, on the upside bet that he, he turns it around. But like you said, the Celtics certainly not a spot for that this year. Yeah. Flip Bogdanovich for Kennard and everybody can yeah. chance <laughs> on the wheel of two guards who signed for decent money and are <laughs> underperforming. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. 
<laughs> that's all I, got. I actually got to I got to Yeah, you we'll wrap this up. We'll get so, this yeah. to the night here. Um all right. We'll be back with you guys uh, later this week to react to all this stuff. Follow Ryan at DangerCart on Twitter. Follow me at Brian T. Rob. And check out myself for Mass Life. And we'll talk to you guys later this week.